All right, hello everyone. I'm Rico Zabonik Chanko, editor in chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our monthly thought leadership series. On um, today's topic is strength fitness, sponsored by Sports Art, and yeah, we've got a really exciting uh, group of panelists here today to talk about this really hot topic in the industry right now. So I'm going to start by asking each of them to go around and introduce themselves and share a fun fact, and then yeah, we'll dive into the questions. Um, and Andrea, let's start with you. All right, my name is Andrea Osmus. I am uh, the Director of Fitness Education Operations at Gold's Gym SoCal. I help oversee the fitness departments for 23 health clubs in the Southern California area. Um, a fun fact, I guess, is that um, I also lead our onboarding for all of our new personal trainers, and something that I ask them in that training the first day is what is their superpower? And I want the trainers to come up with something that they know that they're better at than every person in that room. And they don't know any of them. So it's got to be something. So, and it doesn't have to be fitness related. Um, like I had a super tall gentleman one time. He was like 6'7 in, in the PT mini camp. And he's like, I can get anything off the top shelf. Another girl's like, um, I can teach a kindergartner how to tie their shoes. These are great things. Um, and then at the end of the training, after they're done with me for two days, I ask them to develop their own superpower inside the gym. What is it that they can be the go-to person for in their club um, to, for nutrition, corrective exercise, kettlebell swings, battle ropes, so that they can relate it and have that same confidence in it and then helpfully ignite them into learning something different to develop that same type of attention and care um, inside the club to fitness related to be that person inside the club to differentiate them from everyone else. That's one of the little leadership things that I do in that onboarding thing that's kind of unique. Yeah, I love it. I might have to change my questions moving forward from fun fact to superpower. That's great. <laughs> yeah, superpower. What is your superpower? Yes, love it. All right, Greg, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Greg Moore. I'm the Vice President of Fitness and Education for Work at Anytime Franchising. We are an HBLP franchise. We have about 195 open with about 45 in the pipe. So brisk, brisk business. We're primarily in the Southeast, but we're expanding all over. We have some clubs in Dallas, et cetera. Um, fun fact about me, I don't know how fun it is, but a fact about me is uh, I uh, had the opportunity to serve in an elite Marine Corps unit called Second Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company. And our job was very unique. We actually never worked with Marine Corps. We worked with friendly and foreign friendly units like the 82nd Airborne, Navy SEALs, uh, Army Rangers, etc. And our job was to primarily make sure that we did not shoot one another, which is <laughs> obviously <laughs> a very, very important job. So that's a fun fact about me. Yeah, awesome. certainly very cool. Yeah, and then for those who are interested, I did a podcast episode with Greg where we talk a little bit about um, learning lessons and leadership related from that experience. So we go get into a little more detail on that if you're interested. All right, Elise, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Elise Stozel. I'm the fitness director here at Stone Creek. We are in Covington, Louisiana. We are a privately owned health club, have a little over 5,000 members, and it's a beautiful facility. And to be honest, this question made me realize how incredibly boring I am. <laughs> so when I asked my coworkers, I said, is there anything interesting or fun about me? And they said, well, you are the burpee queen. So everybody knows it. as a little joke, I'm the burpee queen. So I can do a hundred burpees in six minutes and 45 seconds. So that's, wow. um, that's my superpower. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That's all I got. But then I was like, you know, now I feel like I need to go buy a motorcycle or go do something 
really exciting. So, <laughs> Bur Burpees is impressive. I mean, I can barely do five without gasping for air. So, wow. <laughs> All right, Mary. Hey, I'm Mary Edwards. I'm the fitness director and a professional trainer at Cooper Fitness Center in Dallas, Texas. We are a part of Cooper Aerobics Enterprises. We were founded by Dr. Kenneth H. Cooper, who coined the term aerobics uh, in 1968. And so everything we do revolves around health and wellness. Our mission is to improve the quality and quantity of life. Um, our fitness center has about 3,600 members. Our average age is about 56. Um, and we've got 29 trainers on staff. So I'm rounding those people up on a regular basis. Um, fun fact, I agree with you, Elise, when you asked that, Rachel, I was like, I don't know if I have anything, but I'll share this. Um, I interned at Cooper in 2002 and actually met uh, my husband there. We were both interns at the same time. He's in the same industry. He's actually a personal trainer here at Cooper. Um, and so we get to work kind of beside each other, at least in the same space all day. And that's been great to be able to share the same industry together. Very cool. Love it. All right, John, last but not least. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is John Baraglia. I'm the Director of Operations and Fitness and Fun at FFC. Mm -hmm. um, we operate 10 upscale health, fitness, and wellness clubs in Chicago. And a fun fact about the company, we're celebrating our, we're getting ready to celebrate our 40th year wow. in operation, which is really cool. Um, fun fact about me, I can't follow any of you guys, but uh, interestingly enough, this came up last week. I'm from a family of J's. Our, we have like about 25 <laughs> family members that all start with the letter J. And when I met my wife, Julia, we had to continue uh, the J. So our sons are Jonathan, Jordan, and Joshua. That's wow, that is cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Um, and then I'll share a fun fact. Um, this is actually my first Thought Leaders panel after having a baby five months ago. So just wanted to share that I'm super excited to be back. And if I'm a little rusty, uh, that's Day. why. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, if I'm a little rusty, forgive me. This is my first one back after a while. So, all right. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm really curious to hear from you all. What trends are you seeing in strength fitness at your facilities? I'm um, going to, if you could share a couple examples, I think that would be really great. So um, Mary, let's start with you. Yeah. I think the thing that's hit home, I think after we've come back from COVID, I believe people are really no longer scared to strength train. I think across the demographic of female to, to male, I think every age group seems to be seeking it. We obviously know the younger demographic is onto it. Um, but we see in our kind of active aging population an extreme interest in just maintaining their functional ability as they age. Um, so that's kind of our, our trend number one, our, I guess our experience number one that we see is that people are really truly taking it up in their own fitness journey. And then also too, our members seem to be really curious about the how. How do you strength train? What is you know, proper technique for a squat, a lunge, et cetera. How do you put together a program? How do you make it work depending on the goals that you have in place? Uh, we've run several small group training programs this year that have been kind of highlighting the how-to of developing strength training, either for general population or even peri or postmenopausal, and they've been highly successful. I've been very pleased to see that. So those are kind of the things I see on, on our end here. Awesome. John, would you like to weigh in? Absolutely. Um, so I have some similar thoughts. There's definitely been a gravitation towards strength training 
a lot of free weight movements, but um, I'm going to put some color behind that. We're, we're specifically in Chicago, we had a, a very prolonged uh, shutdown and mitigation period. Our members were in masks for the better part of two years. And what we noticed was that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to do high intensity training in masks. So gradually cardio use started to drop, high intensity interval training style workouts started to drop and people moved more towards workout programs that I guess you could say um, are more traditional bodybuilding and strength training, training workouts you know, a set with rest because that was more convenient in a mask. And that trend really stuck here, you know, so not sure how the influence was across the rest of the nation, but, um, you know, we've decreased our cardio space and our clubs by roughly a third and increased our strength training space by roughly a third. So uh, some of our most popular areas right now are just the adjustable benches and dumbbell area. Uh, Olympic lifting areas, the Olympic benches, squat racks. We've probably doubled our squat rack uh, usage space and purchases over the last three years. Um, functional training space has continued to grow in popularity. It started, you know, pre-pandemic and has certainly continued. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. The, the high intensity style workouts and the cardio workouts have definitely trended down. I expect that to come back, but right now, uh, strength training is really popular. Yeah. That's a really interesting correlation that I hadn't thought of that it, you know, could have been driven by the mask wearing. Yeah. Okay. Well, Elise, what are you seeing at your facilities in terms of strength fitness trends? I mean, I have to agree with, with both Mary and John, just overall, I think how Mary said the fear factor, I think is gone. And, and maybe that's, you know, post COVID post pandemic shutdown, but people have just been gravitating towards a strength floor. We're seeing the same thing. Our cardio used to be, you know, the most popular place in the club. And now you know, I'll peek out of my office. I'm on the cardio deck and it's, I'm thinking, Oh, it's pretty, pretty light in here right now. And then I look down on the strength floor. I'm like, and there's everybody. So, I mean, women older populations, just everybody is just really getting into strength training. And then I think, I don't think we've seen really the decline in high intensity workouts. If anything, that's maybe increased, but we, after we reopened, created an outdoor space for functional training. And that has become really popular that members are still using it to this day. Um, we'll do small group training out there. We have a TRX system, suspension, battle ropes, kettlebells, free weights, and that's really taken off too. So I think just the excitement for strength training in general has just boomed in the past two years. So it's really exciting for me to see, especially as a woman um, who's been strength training for 20 years and there's no, you know, barriers anymore. I've got women deadlifting, squatting, Olympic lifting, and it just makes me so excited to see that that fear is now gone and and they don't care what anybody thinks and they're just out there doing it and they're seeing results. And I think that those results are driving more members participating and that's throughout everywhere, group fitness as well. Um, more and more women not scared to pick up some heavier weights um, and 
it's been really great and really exciting times for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And they're definitely, that stigma is for sure going away. But I mean, I remember even growing up, my mom would tell me not to lift weights because I'd get too bulky. So mm -hmm. I think it's great that we're kind of moving on <laughs> that mindset for sure. So um, Andrea, yeah. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, being located in Southern California, and you know, home of powerlifting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And so much like all of this will kind of piggyback off. It's very interesting that we're all kind of um, in the same vein with that. But um, we're really embracing size. We're embracing curves. It is, um, it's a, like you had mentioned, like growing up, like it was a different body type, like that young women and, and people were encouraged to aspire towards. Um, and and there's no more, um, there's a lot less stigma on that. I think if people are much more um, going towards that curvier figure and there's just body acceptance on every level, I think is very cool. Um, also, everyone is an influencer. Um, we have so much social media inside our clubs happening. There's tripods and cameras and stuff happening. We have filming notices everywhere. Um, but with that, um, yes, the platforms, um, our newest club, uh, well, not our newest club, our second, we opened a club in uh, January. Our Cerritos Club has 18 Olympic lifting platforms. We have 20 benches. There's multi-stations everywhere, and they're the most coveted spaces. There's like almost always never anything available. Um, we have the outside turf areas. It's just people want to be together but not too close. They want to high-five but not touch. We still have probably one in six people in masks. We still have people that are really um, conscious or cautious, and maybe it was due to a pre-existing thing, um, and culturally a lot of that too. People um, are more protective, I think, still out here. Um, with a lot of that, but um, and again, we're in Los Angeles, so there's a there's a lot happening. Um, but absolutely, I'm loving um, the strength gains uh, across the board, and people just really being open to it. Um, different than Mary, though, we're not necessarily we're trying to push how on them. We're holding seminars how to do this, how to do that. Um, but everybody here already knows. You know what I mean? We're, we're everyone's <laughs> professional. So we're trying to um, give them the best tools and equipment possible to encourage that um, and then help keep them safe on the gym floor. So they keep coming. If they keep coming, they're going to get results. Um, and that's just where we're really excited to provide facilities that really, really encourage a playground. Um, we have them indoors and outdoors and uh, private places. We have uh, – we um, – after um, – the stay at home, right? Uh, we, we have some clubs that have indoctrinated um, an escape room, right? And it's all escape equipment in there and it's a private training facility for kind of an upgrade and we've got five to six platforms in each of those and all of the training equipment and toys that you can imagine in there and it's just a little bit more studio type in our big box gyms um, that really caters to that type of person that doesn't really want to be in the mix, right, with everybody. So there's just a lot of options and um, Again, what John was saying about the correlation between masks and, uh, masks and high intensity training, we have really um, decreased our cardio floors as well um, because you can kind of do that anywhere all over, right? And so um, we really have uh, dedicated a lot more of that space towards functional training, turf um, space, and then just lining equipment on the wall so they can come out and, and get whatever it is that their mind is um, focused towards. Yeah, very cool. All right, Greg, what are you seeing? Uh, obviously, a lot of the same things. Increased free weight and functional training space and equipment, um, along with decreased amounts of selectorized relatively and, and, and the cardio space. Um, 
funny enough, we're starting to get into outdoors. We have franchise partners who are like, I want to go outdoors. And part of that, you know, it depends on where you are, how well that can work, obviously. But one, of, it seems to be popular. We're going to allow more of it. And it's also because real estate is harder to come by. So it's just, it, you know, real estate, it's hard to find the right spaces. It's hard to expand. If you're there and you want to expand, there may not be that capability. And so what we're exploring more and more is outdoor. And I, I think people really can dig it if it's set up properly. It is not inexpensive to do it right, though, as the folks, uh, as many on the call. If you want to do it right, it is, it's a fair number of dollars. But I think we're probably going to see more and more of that across the industry uh, than we're seeing now. I'm also seeing a resurgent in, in body part specific zones. So if you were at Ursa and you didn't see the booty builder guys, I mean, that's just like so well done from a marketing perspective, you walk around it, you know, you may say that booty builders can't be, I think it's an amazing name because it's so specific and that prospect can immediately resonate with that. So that's old, right? We've been doing that. We all know that it's not body part specific, but in terms of what members are looking for, glute training and, and core training, that that's not going anywhere. And those areas are getting very heavily used when we set them up, which is obviously a big measure for us of success. I think with the older population, which I am a card carrying baby boomer, 63, soon to be 64 years old, something that's happening that you may not be aware of is uh, blood flow restriction training, which is a very, very safe and very, very popular way to drive a lot of benefits from resistance training using much lighter loads. So we've got our younger group who's throwing a lot of iron around, right? God bless them, have fun, please don't get hurt, right? But at the same time, we, th there's that older population who's starting to trickle back. They have the highest lifetime value to us and, and what do they want? And that's a different set of considerations. So that's something to consider that that can be added to your club and your training department and really make a difference for people with something that, that can bring strength training to a group of people who might say, I can't lift heavy things. You don't have to lift heavy things if you're doing blood flow restriction training. Yeah, yeah, great point, Greg. Um, well, I wanna follow up on a couple of things that you all said. So um, I'm curious, um, a couple of you mentioned social media and I'm wondering if that is driving this kind of destigmatization of women's strength training and also maybe the zone training. Do you feel like just all of the fitness influencers and TikTok videos of people doing strength workouts could be driving this you know, increase? Anyone wanna weigh in on that one? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think with Instagram, let's just, I'm not on TikTok. I'm I'm too old for TikTok. So Instagram's about <laughs> as uh, exciting as I get. But you know, like Andrea said, everybody's an expert, right? So I think I'm just speaking from a a woman's perspective. But in the past, the idea was if you want to be fit, you need to do cardio. Cardio is what you need to to look this particular way. And I think with the pandemic and people turning to, well, now what, what do I do? You know, we had everybody, let's have a, a garage gym. I'm going to buy all this stuff. And they're looking at Instagram, for example, of what kind of workouts can I do? That's when they realize, oh, these people are actually getting these results of what I really want to look like. They're, they're getting the results by strength training. And I think that mind switch has now happened across all ages. Um, you know, even older women, older members that I run into and, and they say, my doctor's telling me I have to start strength training for my bone density. I didn't even know that that's what I needed to be doing. 
And uh, I think the social media for all ages has has impacted because they realize that's that's how they're going to get those results that they're seeking. And it's not going to be, you know, trucking hours and hours and hours a week on the elliptical. Not that there's anything wrong with the elliptical, but I think that they didn't really get it until they started to see it in front of them and put the two and two together, even though we've been saying it forever. Yeah, but- it's got to be there. It's got to be their idea. I mean, if you look at one person, just naming one person, Brett, Brett Contreras, I think is his name. He's the glute guy. Mm-hmm. Did he influence this? 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tons of research, a real science guy, but it, all over Instagram, all over it, right? And mm-hmm. people then interviewing him. So, I mean, this stuff is absolutely influencers are are doing exactly what their name says. They are they're they're impacting what people want and use. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk um, about. Let's see. Let's talk about like the uh, fitness for design layout and we can talk about like Olympic lifting and functional fitness areas as well. Any advice for how to set up those areas since they are surging in popularity? What changes are you all, you guys making and what advice would you give to other operators if they're kind of starting from scratch in this space? Um, Andrea, let's start with you. Okay, so I, I think um, there, we have two flows. Like we, we did one club where we had um uh, like a whole leg area like lower body is here and people walk in and like oh, wow every piece right and they love it and then they've got their dumbbells and their platforms and their are and stuff are um the dumbbells and the benches so like on the other area and then their selectorized equipment over there and plate loaded here blah 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 but like ev- like olympic lifting platforms and hack squats and all the stuff here and that's in our la mirada club and, and some people love it because and we have clubs that are kind of close to each other but people will travel to that club for whatever body part they want to do right because they love that day there they love leg day in la mirada right they love to do their functional training in Cerritos, right? So um, it's very interesting um, with that kind of mode, and it, and it speaks to some people more than others. We are some of our other clubs. It's um, we want to set up where we just can have space. I think that's the biggest thing that we have shifted towards. We want to um, give people space between other people, right? And we also want to give people space to kind of do supersets or other movements in between so that there's options to, you know, pull this bench over here and do that with this cable and to do this with this slam ball and these different types of things. Um, But setting up, like, and then especially in our identified functional training areas, I think that's the biggest thing and the hardest thing for doing this is labeling and identifying that area so it has a specific purpose. Otherwise, you have equipment all over the gym and it becomes just a big giant mess and you're like, what is supposed to even happen here? I don't know. But if you have like um, an identified and a like designated area for this, it lets creativity happen, but also like that equipment stay in that place. I'm like, listen, these slam balls, this is their home. This is where they want to be. They don't want to be over there, right? They get lost and sad and they want to go back to their home. So trying to give functional spaces where there's multiple pieces of equipment that you might need to do this in this area and then elsewhere it's also over here too so you're not dragging it across the gym. Um, I love in our functional space areas like turf areas, our outdoor areas, we're lining the perimeter with the equipment and the middle is 
open so they can do sled pushes, they can do slam balls, they can do box jumps, they can drive the um, Olympic lifted bar and the bumpers out, they can pull um, a rower over, they can kind of um, make their workout their own, um, but also like really if the space is defined, um, then they know where they can go with it. Otherwise you have, it's just a hodgepodge and it ends up being very confusing for the people and it's not appealing on a tour, then there's just stuff everywhere. So making sure that stuff is labeled where it goes and then making sure that like it's this is what this is, right? And then um, letting people be creative in that space, I think is, yeah. is a great uh, way to start that kind of process. Have what yeah. you want to do, like what do you envision happening in here and then setting that equipment up and then kind of opening up different areas for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you're saying about, you know, making things intentional in regards to grouping and baby zones where it's clear as to like, this is what you're going to do in this space, this is what you're going to do in another, because I do think there's a lot of people, members who come in who know they want to strength train, but they don't necessarily maybe know how exactly to go about it. So I think the more you can make that clear in the design, um, super helpful. So John, can you weigh, on the, uh, weigh in on this one? Yeah, this is a very broad question, and um, I have a couple different thoughts. I'll I'll piggyback on people want space. It's it's interesting because if you look back at how we were designing clubs, even five years ago, ten years ago, and going back, it was how much equipment could you cram into the space you have. I mean, in some cases, four or five different lines of selectorized equipment at at big clubs, right? But, you know, right now, space is your biggest commodity. And you have to think about um, what are you going to get the best bang for your buck? So, you know, here's an example. Our, our, our four most popular per square foot spaces in our clubs are our turf space. It's like you can't have enough turf space. And during prime time, every square inch of the turf is being used by somebody or something. And so you got you got your turf, you got your dumbbell area. It's incredibly like if we added 10 more adjustable benches, we have some clubs with 20, 25 adjustable benches all lined up on 10 uh, dumbbell racks. If you added 10 more, they would be filled up during prime time. It's like build it and they'll come. Um, multi jungle. So, you know, we have most of our clubs have a, a four stack or five stack multi jungle, you know, with lots of you got four, four workout stations on each multi stack prime time, every single inch of that is being used and people are working in and then the squat racks. The problem is, you know, a squat rack takes up a huge amount of space and you have someone usually doing one set and resting for four or five minutes. So, so, you know, that is not a great efficient use of space, although it's popular and it's a necessity, right? And again, we could add five more squat racks at every one of our clubs. We have about eight to 10 per location and five more, they'd all be used during prime time. But we're trying to figure out where are we going to get the biggest bang for our buck, especially in existing club space versus if you're building a new club and you have a little bit different flexibility on how you're going to lay out that free weight area. So, you know, I'll reiterate one of the things that, you know, has been our best use of space is literally adding another two, three, four dumbbell racks and five, six, seven, eight, ten adjustable benches. 
and people use that space because they're, again, they're doing isolated movements. They're doing bodybuilding workouts. They're doing strength training workouts. So they take over that space and they figure out what they're going to do. Um, and then the one other thing that I would, you know, recommend or give advice to is you don't have to put all of your similar equipment in one space. So for example, what we've done in several locations, and we've had a lot of success with this is instead of laying out 10 dumbbell racks and 20 adjustable benches, we've taken four of those dumbbell racks, lighter weight selection, move that over to a different part of the gym. And what you find is that you attract a whole new group of people to that area because they're way too intimidated to go in the free weight area during prime time when it's packed with people who are at a different workout level, um, you know, using heavier weight, you know, so it's, it's more, um, more customer friendly to do that. And again, I'm telling you, you end up getting more people into your space. So I would think about auxiliary workout spaces that are geared towards a different clientele and watch how that changes the dynamic of your club. Yeah, I think that's a great point, John. Like I personally am not super comfortable in the strength area. So if there was like a more private setting where I could, you know, start to practice and um, I would definitely gravitate towards that. So great point. Mary, what are you, what, yeah. are, what are your thoughts on this? I think movement space is key. I think obviously post pandemic, people just want more space, need more space, not only for the member, but I also consider the staff, you know, we, if you are employing trainers, if you do have professionals in that space that are trying to drive revenue for you, you need to give them the space to be able to work and obviously kind of separate themselves from the member as well. Um, in regards to equipment, we rely heavily on cable-based equipment on our fitness floor because you can create anything, right? If I'm at a chest press that's a cable-based machine, I can do a row, I can do a rotation, I can do a chest press, I can do an anti-rotation. The sky's the limit. So it really is very versatile for us. Um, in regards to some of the functional equipment items, we've we've tried to do a good job of spacing them out near our open movement space so that they don't have to travel. Like Andrea said, they can kind of live right in that area. But then some of the things that might be used with selectorized dumbbells or cables, so, you know, say a dead ball or a medicine ball, we've chosen to create storage on the opposite side of the gym to help store those items so that they're readily accessible for the people that want them. Um, you know, we're probably organized a little differently. We've got um, a small group training studio that's upstairs. And so that has become a big um, popular space. I think just one, it's private. And then two, it's functional training items. So some of the younger demographic likes to go up there. We have some of the, um, some of our trainers will use it for some of their younger demographic training experiences. Um, that's been really helpful. And then outdoor, I, I believe someone mentioned that um, ever since we reopened, that's been a thing for sure. And so we've outfitted our outdoor space with equipment that's available and people are using that too as well. Um, I think one of the things that we've found is people are really good at camping out on equipment now after COVID. Um, and our culture really wasn't that way before COVID. So we've, we as a facility have had to really consider just the, the etiquette situation and how to address that in a healthy, you know, encouraging way. Um, and then again, I think obviously equipment wise, we're set up for that because we do have a lot of things that can serve multi-purposes, but as an operator, that's been an interesting conversation to have to have because that has become a reality for us since we've returned. So the whole etiquette conversation and how to get people moving in between sets, because 
our demographic will move in between sets. I know some of you guys cater to an audience that is kind of more stationary and using that specific space, but for us, that's been a challenge that we've had to kind of tackle. So, yeah. Any advice for tackling that challenge? You know, we've we've really worked hard with our frontline customer service staff to just kind of educate them up and empower them to uh, just encourage people to work in and share space. If someone's scrolling aimlessly through their phone for five, 10 minutes, just to be able to nicely go up and just have the conversation that, you know, just want to remind you, you know, if if you if you need to, to check email or if you've got something you need to do or if you're going to look at your phone, don't forget there may be some people that want to use this. Um, the other thing is signage. We're using signage on our equipment that's just simple, clean, um, and just sends the gentle reminder. And then obviously through email communication, you know, I think we we are working with our trainers um, very closely just to make sure that they understand, you know, your job is to yield, right? Share the space, um, be the good example, right? Because we have 29 of them floating around in there and that's that can be a huge impact just from a cultural standpoint. So we're trying to attack it from from all accounts, but um, it's definitely been an interesting learning experience coming back post COVID. Yeah. Does anyone else have any um, advice for communicating strike training equipment etiquette or any other? Have they, has anyone else had any other challenges in that area? This is something we have been having some starts of of issues. I say issues, but I think educating signage of course um and we're kind of playing around with with what we're going to do probably insert some humor probably go through social media yeah try to make it a little bit you know my thought is make a reel or something funny that we can share put out just to give people that education but we we we've been dealing with that more than we have in the past year so and and I wouldn't say it's necessarily even age based I see it across all ages of our members, I think. And I don't think it's even intentional. I think people are just distracted. And so of course I'm out on the floor. If I see something, I'll go up and, uh, and also teaching my staff to have that empowerment too, that it's, you're not being rude. You're just gently reminding them that, you know, please let people work in. But my thought is let's utilize that social media and, and make it, you know, throw some humor in there to make make it a reminder for our members for sure go ahead Andrea absolutely um also uh, along that working in is like non-existent really for us too so we're coming and re-racking right and I think we have we have a really strong new member base and a lot of our clubs we have we have some people come back right and 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 they're loyal members and whatever but we have a, a brand new member base group right and a lot of people are new to fitness or you know, new to fitnessing in this social sort of social setting. Um, so absolutely with that. So definitely the education is key. We haven't really found the right way, but I think the fun is is needed, right? And we have signs up, but like I also feel like we have so many signs up, nobody reads anything. You know what I mean? We're like, oh, do this, join this, or be a part of this group, or you know different things. So so we have a lot of that, but absolutely, um, we have a, a new to us member. So creating that culture. Is, is definitely something that we are absolutely working towards. Rachel, one of the things that we've worked on, I think, and I, I believe it's occurring in our membership office is when members join, just having that initial conversation with them and just kind of explaining that this is our culture, this is how we operate, it's community, 
Um, we share, you know, our trainers share. And I think if you can start that communication from the get-go, I think it makes it a lot easier. And I think it lands better when your frontline service staff steps up and interjects or says something. But that's also something we've we've tried to kind of approach it from that line too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. All right. Well, back to uh, maybe strength fitness for design. Um, Greg, is there anything that you'd like to add on that point? I think putting it all together, I think you have to start with defining use cases, right? So we, we have problems when we have franchise partners who have some freedom to do some things. And when, when we run into problems is they wind up with something they didn't want. Why is that? Because they didn't start by saying, what are we trying to do, right? Who are we servicing overall? Who are we servicing now? Who do we want to be servicing? And then looking at the club in that way. Who's using this area? You know, and it can be multiple people, right? You know, who's going to use it? How will they use it? Is it for PT? Is this group training going to happen here? Is this members working out themselves? Is this all the above? Because if not, you got a bunch of stuff, right? There's a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff. I've gone into clubs where when, when I didn't get myself involved early enough, it's like, my gosh, Flick got 50 slam balls. What are you doing with 50 slam balls? Because someone didn't do what I said. They just started picking stuff, right? That looks cool. I'll buy that. This looks cool. Remember, we're a franchise, so it's very different than, than say, John or Andrea or Mary's situation, or at least where you've got really tight control, right? It's different. So we have to really remind them, start by thinking of what you're going to do with each of these areas and who you're gonna serve, one trend that I am seeing is we're creating more and more exclusive space. Meaning that's part of our, we're an HBLP model. So that's part of our premium membership, right? We are very focused on selling more premium and now premium plus, how do you do that? It's perceived value, right? So a big part of that is, hey, this is a space that you as a premium member can use. And other people can't. And it absolutely can sell you a premium membership. That one feature can be the thing where Mary or Joe says, that's awesome. I just want open space. To John's point, some dumbbells, leave me, let, let me play in there. So, you know, just same type of comments that you've heard from everyone else. Yeah, awesome. Elise, anything more on uh, fitness floor design in the strength oh, area? Yeah. yeah, we uh, <laughs> this spring did a major overhaul. Uh, we reorganize our entire fitness area from functional training to selectorized equipment to power racks. So we, we did everything. Um, we originally had our functional training area upstairs with a Kleenex, dumbbells, slam balls, kettlebells. It was great. But after really closely looking at everything and our, uh, the workflow, how people were coming in, I think, especially here, and I don't know about you guys, you know, it used to be two peak times. It used to be, you know, early morning opening to 9 a.m. packed, then dead space until 4.30, then packed. Um, and I, you know, my theory is people are working from home more. They have more flexibility in their work schedule. They're doing, um, you know, days in the office, but days at home. So, we really have seen a major impact on the steadiness of our members coming in at all times during the day. There doesn't necessarily, we still have, of course, those hot peak times, but it's more spread out. So we decided to put our functional training area downstairs 
Uh, we added ECOR rubber flooring to about 30% of our downstairs strength floor and relocated the functional area down there. And then we took about half of our selectorized and brought it upstairs where the functional training was. And that has become our more private area for strength training. And it's been, the response has been immense. You know, people that don't feel comfortable going on the strength floor, they want more privacy. Maybe they don't, they're new to strength training. They want something that they, they know they can go in, you know, do three sets of, of every exercise, throw in some dumbbells. We have a couple of cable options up there. So they can really get a full body workout and feel confident that they're hitting everything and also not have that, you know, everybody's looking at me. So biggest, biggest thing for us was really having a zone for everybody. You know, we don't want to just cater to the bodybuilders or the Olympic lifters or the, you know, functional training CrossFit community. We want to have zones for everybody that they feel comfortable. So now we've really separated really what all of you guys have said to really have separate spaces and separate zones for all of our demographics. So I think the upstairs area, the functional, I mean, not the functional, the selectorized area with the cables has become really popular among our newer strength trainers, our older community, um, the ladies that feel more comfortable being in privacy our functional training area, same thing that Andrea said, you know, very much equipment on the perimeter. They can really make the space their own. They can pull out a rower, pull out, you know, kettlebells and really set themselves up. I think people have gotten a lot more creative in their workouts um, since COVID. You know, they they had to kind of make do and and they realized, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I actually really like this. I can really camp myself out here with, you know, a set of dumbbells, a kettlebell and a jump rope. And I've this is all I need. And I think people feel really confident now to do that. So the functional training area has become that. And then our, you know, strength floor, we do have a glute zone, as I like to call it, or a leg zone. We really took that, you know, kind of Brett Contreras mindset and created a little, almost like a pod for all lower body. You know, you can go in there and it's just like a playground for you. So it's been really great. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, people kind of panicked, you're moving my, my machine that I've used for 10 years and now you're moving it upstairs. But I think people see now that it makes a lot more sense and the usage has just increased. I mean, all over and it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it was really positive change for you all. Yeah. Totally. Andrea, go ahead. We, we moved I think we kind of, uh, we got two questions on this one, but another thing for us, and it piggybacks off some of what they said, like we've also with some of our studio spaces, like um, our uh, cycle studios or our, we previous, pre-stay at home, we had a lot of kids clubs, right? We have not reopened our kids clubs in, in our Los Angeles location. So um, we have taken a lot of that space and created and added those private rooms like we were talking about greg was talking about also or witnesses and an upcharge in your membership and with this tier you get this private space it's been really really um our member base has been really receptive of it because i think a lot, there's there's different things like some people like to be you know in that group or, or they have you can go in here type and then we also like people that want to just be by themselves they want they don't want to be in the mass mix of things they want to be in a smaller studio space um, and it has everything that they need in those um, designated, like, and it's 
you have to use your barcode to get in, and it's like the locked door kind of situation. But um, it's super awesome. They've been really, really great. Uh, we In our downtown Los Angeles club, we took out our cycle studio and put in five platforms. And it's all that's all that's in there. There's five platforms, cool, like not strobe lights, that would be bad, but cool lighting in there. Um, it's kind of dim and dark and like mysterious, but very cool and the members have loved it and they you know they'll be in but that's all you do in there you eat olympic lift or you um squat or pull or whatever in there and then you come out and you do the rest of your stuff um but that was just based on that's what was in that room and what could we how because we didn't have space to add like you had mentioned i think earlier john about um they take up a lot of space elsewhere in the gym but so where can we put this type of rack this type of equipment that we know that our member wants where is it and where can we make the most return on our investment because real estate is so, so expensive. In, in that club especially, there's nowhere to grow, right? We're, we're in the middle of it. Um, but then in other clubs, we've taken over the kids' club, and, and we've opened up that space and made that, that escape room is what we call it. And, um, and then we have private uh, trainer zone areas also because, uh, like you mentioned, the gym floor becomes so crowded on certain places and it's so hard to create programming that you could actually use like we're telling people that you need you need the programming that's how you're going to get the results that you want um and then we send our trainers out on the floor and it's a circus right They're, they can't get on any of the equipment so we've taken some of those spaces and made them like for our personal trainers designated so then that is another benefit of working with a personal trainer is you have this private space you have all the equipment that you need you can actually do the program that's assigned for you you're not waiting you're not spending you know 10 minutes of your 50 minute session waiting on a piece of equipment um, that's in your program for the day so that they have everything that they need right there um, so that's that's where we've changed some of our floor plans that we're currently um, to move towards what we're able to do now, really really be most cost-effective with um, the areas and the space that we have. Yeah, no, that's good to know. I know a lot of clubs have moved away from the child care um, offering. So, yeah, that's an interesting point to maybe transition that. Like, I, I love that, <laughs> right? I, there's, like, a heart string for that because that's how I, you know, as a young professional, as a personal trainer, like, my kids are going to make it stuff, you know, where there's a whole family environment and doing that. But it's just, it's where we still are in this area. I mean, I know that some people, you know, it's, it's different everywhere, but like just, that's just a decision um, that we, we made here. Yeah. That no, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. We only have time, I think for a couple more questions, but I do want to ask, I mean, obviously you all are sharing that, you know, you've made significant investments in strength training, you're redesigning your fitness floors, you're adding in um, and bringing in new equipment. So I'm curious, do you guys feel like this um, increased interest in strength fitness is here to stay? Do you only foresee it growing? Greg, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just uh, spent a bunch of time with MyZone, brought them in, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, but if you see their data with MXM on, on workouts, it's still maybe, this is and this is kind of really big sample, right? You know, half, they're doing half the workouts outside the gym. And I think it's pretty obvious what happened to me they learn to do cardio elsewhere, right? You know, like, okay, I'm gonna do it outside. I bought a bike. You know, like buying a Peloton does not mean you're not gonna be in the club. You know, workout people all have equipment in their home, like everyone. Yeah. So I think we were finally over that hump. Oh my God, if they buy something, they won't come in, baloney. So there, I, I, I don't think this is gonna go away because the hardest thing to do in your home is what? Real strength training equipment, wow, heavy weights, that's really 
Not that you can't, but I, I think that's out of reach. So I don't see that ending anytime soon. You know, we're, we're, I'm not thinking that way um, at all. And talking to other operators, they're not thinking that all. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's here to stay for quite a while. Yeah. Mary, what are your thoughts? I, I think yes. You know, I think obviously our demographic is really unique, but I think the thing that has been of most interest to the people in our club is the health benefits gained from strength training and the impact it has on metabolic risk factors. And we, you know, we just stepped out of a pandemic where, you know, those that were not healthy were very fearful of, you know, catching COVID, having long-term implications from COVID, you know, and I think it's not that, you know, if you were healthy, you didn't catch it. We all know that everyone was at risk, but you, you had, you had set yourself up for success if you were doing the things to take care of yourself. You know, we are, obviously grounded in aerobics here. We believe in it, but we've also progressed through the years and understand the benefit of variations of that and something that can supplement either a strength program or it's more interval-based training. Um, but yeah, I think the strength is here to stay. I think there's so much now with kind of the, the aging demographic that we have and the impact on the ability to be able to do ADLs and continue on, right? And then also too, we have this influx of the kind of the next generation that's totally taken it on as as just a hobby as an interest and then obviously we'll see the benefits you know physiologically and aesthetically i think it's something that's not going away anytime soon i think different age groups will will um you know stick to it for different reasons but i think you have a higher percentage than you've ever had before and i think it will stay and stand the course of time yeah john what are your thoughts yeah, definitely. I think you have to pay attention to, you know, what are the influencers doing? What's on social media? What are the, what are your future gym goers doing? So what are the kids in college and high school being taught? You know, what, what habits are they picking up? What information are they getting? And if you take a look at it, it's, it's all geared towards strength training, you know, power movements, bodybuilding. I mean, I, so I think, just from that alone, I think we're, we're certainly going to be in this pattern for the next several years. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and ask our last question because we're about out of time. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to weigh in. Um, yeah. Just like what's your final piece of advice or um, anything that you think other operators should really be thinking about when it comes to strength fitness offerings? Elise, let's start with you. I think the biggest thing is knowing your audience and having, like I said, something for everyone. So you want to create for at least in our facility, we have members of all ages, all genders. Um, we see a lot of teens coming in. So really trying to create space that everybody can find what works for them and then educating them on how and why. So that's, that's the biggest thing for us. And I think, um, you know, it's definitely not going to slow down. I, I'm seeing a sense of community with strength training that we've never really seen before. What When I look on the fitness floor, what I'm seeing is people, and maybe it's different where you guys are, but really people wanting to spend time together. I see more uh, parents with their teens teaching them how to strength train. Um, we've implemented an exercise program for our 11, 12, and 13-year-olds that their parents are attending with them to get them out onto the strength floor, learning that etiquette early 
and the passion for strength training is it's there and we're seeing it in, in all ages. I'm seeing groups of 60 plus women strength training together. I mean, it's just been, it's been incredible what we've seen in the last couple of years. I'm really excited um, to see it progress. And I think the biggest thing that we can do is just talking to our members. Of course, everybody's going to want something different and you can't make everybody happy. Um, but trying to provide that comfort and that space that everybody can get the most out of their time at your, at your facility and that they want to be here. And I think the strength training is part of it, but I think the community and the relationships that they're building while they're doing it is what's really making it stick here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. All right, Andrea, what's your final piece of advice or anything to think about? Okay, um, advice for operators. I think um, we touched on it several times, but defining your space, um, knowing what you want to accomplish here, what is the goal for this club, what is the personality of this club, what is the personality of the member here, who's coming here, and how do you speak to that person so you can retain them, right? We got we can't have, we don't want to have the revolving door. We want to have members that stick and um, super glue them. And that comes a lot with the community getting them involved in programming. So that comes with what you provide them in the space. Um, but also, like, when we're talking about goals for other operators, um, definitely defining the space. And then um, once you're in that kind of vendor space, creating relationships with your vendors. Um, we've all felt it. I don't think we've touched on it much on this call, but um, it's been hard to get things fixed or replaced or there's limited number. We've come through that shortage. We're kind of coming out on the other side. But the last thing you want is um, reviews that things are, you know, down or it's been taking a while with equipment. So when you have those relationships with those certain vendors, um, that you really continue to nurture those relationships because um, then when we need to get more equipment or we need to drop ship quick, quickly, um, that we can get some things in the club and repaired and you know who to go. Um, and I also would really strongly encourage them to pick partners that have education associated with the equipment that you're purchasing. When they can come into club and do an on-site with um, your sales team, so when the sales team is on the tour, they can talk about that piece of equipment, what it's used for. Um, they can do on in service with your for kettlebells, slam balls, Bulgarian bags, whatever it is. Like um, Escape has a lot of that different thing where they can come in and they can upskill your team um, that comes with that purchase, right? So that you're getting a lot of benefit for um, your team as well as for your member experience. Yeah. Yeah, great advice, Andrea. Greg, what's your final piece of advice? Um, I think everything everything said, I, I echo with, I think the one thing I would add to it is continually learn. And, and one of the best ways to do that is visit clubs. Have colleagues, you know, if I'm ever in Chicago, I will absolutely, as an example, look up John and go to the clubs. Why? I'll learn something. Even though he's in a different space than we are, there's things that can transfer. And I, I, club visits are so cool to me. Um, you know, we can share with one another and you really learn a lot like, wow, you're doing that. Oh, that's something we could take back because we tend, I know I can get stuck in my own head. And one of the ways to get out of my own head is go to other people, see what they're doing, and it can really expand your, your thinking um, in a very positive way. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mary. You know, I definitely agree. Know your demographic, uh, know what what they want. Um, my big thing on that is surveying them. I, I think sometimes as operators, we find that somewhat painful, right? And it's a process, um, but they will tell you what they want and they will speak up. And I think that's been helpful for us just in some of the programming we've created. Um, you know, and the other 
other last piece of advice is how do I find ways to add programming that may not be necessarily um, geared towards the people that know what they are doing in regards to strength training, but maybe those that I could attract to work with a trainer. I could attract and kind of make them sticky with our group exercise program. I could attract and have them be a part of small group training, but how do you go and get the other percent of people? Cause everyone has them. I mean, I think we see the people that are in there all the time, but we know we all have members that if it boils down to retention and being a successful club, how do I go after and get those people? Um, so how do I find ways to program to engage those that may be shy or kind of on the outskirts of that? Yeah. Great advice. All right, John, go ahead and close us out. All right. I got two things. Andrea stole one of them, but I, I want to, <laughs> I want to piggyback on it. The education of the equipment you bring in is critical. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, it's when they bring it in and getting your staff the day they bring it in and training everybody from your membership team to your fitness team. But as we know, in this industry, there is turnover. And very quickly, everybody in your club who went through the initial training on that equipment can be gone. So there's got to be a plan for ongoing education of the equipment you have at your club, and you got to lean on your vendors for that. That a lot of it, a lot of them have online education, but they can come in and they can teach your team on a frequent basis. The other thing, the other bit of advice I want to give is, um, don't be afraid to rearrange your weight room. We've done it several times since we've reopened and it's always for the better, right? I mean, there's gonna be one out of 10 members who they're not happy no matter what you do. But the majority of people, because we've strategically thought about what we need to do with the changing trends. And, you know, I encourage, get your whole team involved, get all the trainers involved, go out and do it and they'll take ownership. You know, listen to their ideas about where to move certain things and what members like and what's convenient. Um, but we've really strategized on the arrangement of our strength areas. And I literally, we've rearranged every club in our company twice in the last three years. And I am so happy with our layouts. Um, and it's something that you probably never would have done five years ago, 10 years ago. Like how you set it up originally is how it has to be, but you got to be flexible and the times are changing. You got to change with the times. Yeah. I think that's interesting, John, too, because retail stores are like constantly rearranging things and it kind of looks like they've bought, you know, new offerings, but really they've just brought things from the back to the front and it gives the customer an entirely new experience and maybe they notice something that they wouldn't have previously. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate your time so much. You all gave such great insights um, into the strength fitness trend. So um, yeah, we'll go ahead and close out. And again, thank you. And thank you audience for tuning in. Everyone have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.